This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Zoll Medical and Zoll EMS and Fire. Engine 1, Engine 4, Truck 2, Truck 10, Ambulance 82, Battalion 2, Fire 1020 North Main, help is on the way. Okay. Welcome back to Chicago's Bravest Stories. Our guest today is Leo Cox. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I know uh, we got your name from um, Chief Nielsen, who was a guest. Uh, we actually had him in here with his, with him and his son, and they recommended that we talk to you. They sent us your name specifically and said that you had quite the storied career. What, what year did you come on the job? It was... Uh 1966. 1966? Yeah, November 1966. Okay. Um, I took the test uh, on February of 66 and landed in the top 100. So, uh, Do you remember how many people took, took that test back in that? Back 50 years ago? As usual, tons. <laughs> tons. Was it, was it a sought-after job back 50 years ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Definitely. Um, I w- wasn't seeking it that much. I was, uh, the way I actually got started in this is I was working midnight to eight, uh, and I, my wife was teaching at Willowbrook High School in Villa Park. So we had, a, we got married, had an apartment in Villa Park, and I was on the Congress Street, uh, driving home in the morning, and I saw a Volkswagen microbus careening across the inbound lanes. I mean, I still remember the woman's face. She was being thrown away from the driving wheel. And I, I know that she was, something was serious going to happen. And uh, again, it's a flash and it happened. I said, what the hell could happen to her? You know, and so the next day I had uh, come up work. It was right by 25th Avenue on the expressway. I went to the Broadview Fire Department. I says, hey, the thing yesterday, the, the woman, what, what happened to her? And we talked about a little bit about it. And then uh, I said, I had been interested in fire service, you know, but no, nothing. Uh, and uh, the guy I was talking to says, well, Mount Prospect is having a test. They're opening a new fire station. They're going to hire guys. Leo, what were you doing prior to that? I was uh, working for the FBI as a clerk, a night clerk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the, uh, the the thing with the FBI is uh, I was trying to uh, the way you could become an FBI agent is you had to have a law degree or be a CPA. Okay. Or the back door in was any college degree and three years of clerical experience with them, and so that's where I was going. What was your degree in? Uh, well, it was it was. Um, <clears throat> I managed to flunk out of Notre Dame. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ran out of time, uh, brains and money at the same time. That's okay. Uh, so anyhow, uh, my degree was in English, I thought. But when I got to, I was going to Elmhurst College at night. Okay. And uh, when I was getting close to the end, I didn't have, they didn't have a, a required thing at night. And so I said, well, I got a lot of history. Can I be a history major? They said, yeah. I said, good. I'm out. I'm a history major. <laughs> So that's, uh, that was the thought, that I was going to get my three years in at the clerk, 
get that degree and, and go for the FBI. All right. So anyhow, this guy says Mount Prospect is having a test. So I went to Mount Prospect. I got hired as one of the six guys that they hired. I had no experience. I didn't know what was up or what was down. Uh, so I went there for a year, and uh, they says, man, you should see the town at Elk Grove over there. They're, they're starting a whole new paid department. And uh, you, know, lots of, you get some advancement there. Here we already got our lieutenants and everything. Right. So uh, I said, well, I'll go take a flyover over there. So I went there. I uh, got on that job, so it's like I can't keep a job, you know. <laughs> and uh, so they hired six guys. Three of them were Chicago firemen. And so now I'm hearing all the Chicago stories, and I'm thinking, man. So three guys left Chicago to go to Mount Prospect? Yeah. And Mount Prospect must have been no, pretty... No, they left Elk Chicago to Elk Grove. Oh, Elk Grove. Elk Grove started. Uh, be, well, because they were all Chicago firemen who lived at Elk Grove. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was what was behind that. There you go. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, so I went to Elk Grove for three years. And in the meantime, that's when a test came up in Chicago. I said, well, I got to do what these guys are doing. Sounds good. So I took the test, and I came up. Uh, my name came up. I went down there, and that's the start of it. Uh, and 30-some years later, I walked out. I actually, I, I actually got carried out. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. Uh, and, and, and we'll get we'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. So you kind of, by happenstance, with guys that you didn't know coming in from CFD that that kind of got you the bug because you didn't you didn't have any family or anything like that who worked I for had, the city. I had a cousin who was a fireman in Mel Pro, in uh, Melrose Park. Okay. I grew up in Melrose Park. Uh, a lot, a lot of tradition there in Melrose Park. <laughs> as, as we know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that, that was the only contact I, I even had with it. I had no idea. So, and then you get called to go to the academy? Yep. And what what was the academy like 50 years ago? Uh, <clears throat> we started the day off at the gym, the, the fire department gym down there by Navy Pier. And so we spent the morning there running around, running around, doing calisthenics and stuff like that. And in the afternoon, we spent a lot of time dusting the fire escapes. <laughs> uh, uh, there's some, you know, basic evolutions, of course, you know, but... Uh, was there a physical test to get on as part of your testing process? No, and that's another thing. I knew absolutely nobody. I had no... And all the guys, they're, they're kicking guys out at the at the physical. You're you're too high. You're too small. You're too big. You're too small. You know, you got heart murmur. Everybody had heart murmur. Everybody had. And, <laughs> and and weight was the big thing. And I think I forget what I was. I was supposed to be 195. I think was our maximum. Jeez. And as, you know, we stood on a big, you know, coal scale. And as that big needle went, as it just slid past 195, the guy said, "Lose a few." I didn't know anybody. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it, I should have been kicked out right there. You know, but for some reason, the guy says, lose a few. But that was the standard? You couldn't be over 195 pounds? Yeah, my, yeah, my height, yeah. Was, oh, for your height. Yeah, okay. I, I thought overall. Yeah, I was just saying. Like, that'd be, that'd a, be a real small five department. Guys the, <laughs> five guys on the department. I mean, they were kicking guys out who looked like, you know, marathon runners. You know, these guys are in shape or stuff like that. I, too weight there. You're too skinny. You know, stuff. You just... Were they trying to get They're the people just, that they were looking to no, get? Well, they were no. They, well, that had to happen, I'm sure. But they were just uh, they had to winnow it down. They just had too many guys, and 
That's the only way to get rid of them. Physical. You got nothing you could say, but I'm out. I'm out. So, so I was in, uh, and I went there again, not knowing anybody. And I, it was a little intimidating because the guys in, in, the, in the class, these were guys that went to grade school together. You know, right. and I'm from Melrose Park. You know, I don't know anybody. Uh, so I just uh, kept my head down, and uh, I will say that uh, I had a, a, my first my first experience with a Chinaman. I had a Chinaman uh, when I was in Elk Grove. They were different classes that, that you would go to, and there was one that was uh, held by uh, Chief, who was a division marshal in the second district, in second division at the time. Uh, Joe Dykeman, and he would uh, conduct classes, and so I kind of hatched on, on to him a little bit, um, and I went with him a couple of times, and so that was the only person that I knew that had anything to do with the fire department. And uh, time came, we were going to. Uh, everybody wanted to know where we're going to go, where we're going to, where we're going to go. And one of the guys was... You're talking about your assignment. Yeah, what's right. And uh, the one guy was kind of active in uh, the, the 511 club. Okay. And so we asked him, hey, where are we going? Because he, he could go he could go upstairs and talk to the bosses and stuff, <laughs> you know. So everybody said, hey, where are we going? Where are we going? And he told me I was going to Engine 24. So oh, that's good. It's West Side. It's not, you know, nothing special about it, but it's West Side. Um, so I'm going to 24. All right. The thing comes out. Oh, he was going to 77, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing comes out. I'm going to 77. So there I went. And the rest is kind of history. That uh, I just, I was uh, very naive about the job still. I mean, a couple of years in the suburbs did nothing for me. You know, I just, nothing. And uh, I still remember... Again, the first incident that I could recall, two things. I know the first run was sort of check the box at 3811 Douglas. Uh, I knew that. But the other thing I knew was within the first day or so, he had a fire in a story to have frame. It's one of those K-Town frames, just uh, the straight exterior staircase going up the, up to the, to the attic. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I thought I was doing a good job. I was helping them. I was right at the top of the stairs, and I was really helping feed them the line and everything. You were, you were second up? No. It was, well, no. It, well, it was, in a way I was. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I t- my first day was there. Um, because I was a candidate and everything, I didn't count even. They, we had four guys on the back step. Uh, so my wife says, well, how did it go? I don't know. <laughs> the other guys, it was it was O'Donnell, O'Farrell, and Donahue. I saw a bunch of Irish guys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyhow, we get this, this fire. We go up the stairs, up the top of the stairs. Uh, I think Bernie was inside uh, with Captain Nagel. Captain Nagel was what a guy for a start. Uh, he, he looked like a he looked like a, a banker. He, he, yeah, he just was. Uh, Real square guy. But anyhow, I'm at the top of the stairs. And Jimmy O'Farrell had been on a hydrant. And he came back, and he looked at me by the, by the doorway. 
And he had this look of scorn on his face. <laughs> and he said, get in there. And that's how I learned to be a fireman. <laughs> you, were, you were shamed to go into the building <laughs> by the hydrant guy? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's how it started. And I learned. And so you didn't do much firefighting training in the academy then. So when no, you when you was, hit the street, there, there that's was, how you learn how to be a fireman. Yeah, there was nothing. By having the hydrant guy come out there and give you a dirty look. The, 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 only, the only time we learned anything was in the academy. Uh, again, we started November 1st. And uh, New Year's Eve, we thought we were going to get out early. And there was a like a 4 or 5 11 alarm right Near the academy, it was uh, underneath the railroad tracks, like a canal and 14th or something like that. November 1st was your anniversary day? Yeah. That's mine, too. That's when it started. <laughs> yeah. That's when it started. <laughs> um, so they says, okay, you guys, you're not getting off early. You're going over there to pick up hose. I said, hey, we're going to fire. Yeah. <laughs> so we go there, and now it's nothing but steam. It's nothing but all, uh, you know. It's all paper rolls, rolls of paper we're, we're burning. And uh, we got this old captain. Uh, he says, come on, lads, let's go get some coffee. Yeah, we've been there for a while. But. And he says, uh, as we're walking toward, uh, walking out, he says, uh, now we got six inches of water on the floor. He says, uh, so when you got something like this, what do you have with you? Oh, we don't know. So he says, you got, a, you got a pike pole. You got something on the floor so in case you don't, you know. And we're looking at him, and as he's talking, he walks off the loading dock. <laughs> 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 and I just got the rubber coat. We can't get him up out of the dock. It was, a, but that was our only fire experience in the academy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there was no, no, nobody gave you an access. Says, Here's how to chop, or you know, nothing like that. It was classes and stuff. But uh, so anyhow. Uh, 77 was an excellent place to learn. Uh, back then it was 45 was busy on the south side. 77 was the west side. Now, for those who don't know, where was 77 located at the time? 1224 South Kamensky, which is uh, just a it's Roosevelt and Pulaski is basically where it's at the, on the west side. Um, and it's no longer there. The building is gone now. Damn, damn it. Were, were you there before it closed? Or oh, yeah. Did you stay there the whole time until it closed? I was there for nine years. Okay. Uh, so nine years. And uh, I just, we went to a lot of fires. We just did. Um, and it was funny. Actually, I got there shortly after they got a, a rig with a, with a tank of water. And, you know, up to then they had the, the Persh pumper. That was it. That was the Persh they also had. For a while, it was gone when I got there. They had the, one of the first fog pressures in, in the house. So they had two rigs in the house. So the, the first, when you first got to the fire department, nobody had tank water. If you wanted water, you had to be connected to a hydrant? Yes, you did. And the way that we hit, any lead out for us, was a three-inch line because we had a three-inch line with a three-way gated saddle on the end of that three-inch line, and then you had inch and, inch and a half after that, uh, 100 feet, an inch and a half, uh, and then 95 would come in or 38 would come in 
on the other, you know, and so that was that was the, the, the lead up basically. And there's no, there was no such thing when you started as a pre-connect or a cross-lay? No, cross-lays. <clears throat> and, the, and the pipe that we had was a 90-gallon bit at Santa Rosa. I still remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this brass fog thing. And if there was, you couldn't go to full fog because if you did, you couldn't shut it back down because a stone got in there. Oh, really? <laughs> so it was, and in the wintertime, it was hopeless. You know, you just we'll put the three-quarter inch shower pipe on in the wintertime because they just it, it just was stuck all the time. It was just and and back then we didn't have stuff. Uh, we'd have to go to I see the '99s up there, and we we go to '99 at Lincoln Ancient Half because we didn't have any. I mean, it was really double butts. All over the place. I mean, we had a whole <laughs> we had a whole hose bed full of double butts. Uh, it's just <clears throat> and uh, Captain Nagel when it when the stuff got bad enough, he take that axe. <laughs> they can't double butt this thing now. It's got you know another double butt in it. So um, yeah, but just a, a, a lot of fires. Uh, and again. Um, Welcome back to Chicago's Bravest Stories. On the line, we have Khalil, who got some rehab at Sports and Ortho. We're here with Dahlia, owner of Sports and Ortho. So, Khalil, what was injured? I heard needed a disc in my lower back. Uh, I actually talked to Dahlia on the phone first, and she went, you know, she assessed what was going on, and uh, I went in and, um, you know, got treatment, and it was a very, very good experience. She set me up with one of the uh, the, the physical therapist and they did a they did an assessment when I went over there. Um, they had me tell them tell them exactly what happened and how I hurt my back and yeah. So they, they formulated a plan for me and you know it was really good. They're very detailed and they're they know exactly what they're doing over there. Would you recommend sports and ortho for anybody who has injured themselves? Oh yeah, absolutely. And the one the good thing I like about them is they're very familiar with people on the job with injuries that are similar to mine. So I, I like that they could actually like relate and actually, you know, I could I could have you know my injury treated the same way. And you're doing well right now. You're doing good. You're back to work. You're feeling great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back to work. Um, I've been I've been pain free for like the past couple of months now. Um, just, you know, I'm still doing the stretches at home and and uh, you know I just I just keep on doing what they told me to do and hopefully I don't injure my back again. Yeah, I hope you don't injure your back again, too, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, yeah, I, yeah. we'll let you go. I know you have to work tomorrow, so be safe. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, all right. Have a good night. Thank you. Don't forget sportsandortho.net. Find your location. Thank you, Dahlia. Thank you, Vince. The, I, I was at 77 for the biggest fire ever. It was the uh, Harvester Works at 26 in California. Where the jail is now. Yeah. One football field by three football fields. Seven stories, mill constructed. Everything on fire. Oh. <laughs> That's everything. And, and That's a you, long day. When you went there, how, how long had you been a fireman by this time? Uh, probably six or seven years. Okay. It, it was a while. Um, were you guys first in? or No, we were, we were probably out of 211 on that one. When we pull up, uh, I, I remember the second floor 
factory, big windows, there were about six of them were just orange, you know, just pure orange. Uh, going. Uh, and But there were firewalls, a couple firewalls. And so after an hour, you'd see more smoke going on the side of the firewall. Better pretty soon, more smoke, than one flame, two flames, uh, each window. And it would just go all afternoon. It was, it was a Sunday afternoon. It was a beautiful day. Um, it was a big... It was a big carnival. I mean, people were from everywhere. People from Joliet could see the, you know, so that was, but uh, it was not the big ones. That It was the, in our still district, just 77 still district, the first year when I was working, we had 13 fire fatalities in our district. Wow. On our shift. So it was, it was not good. Um, and back, it wasn't as critical then, but it got more critical. The manpower got uh, got pretty shaky for a while. I mean, before man, and there was, you know, by 1980, we, you know, sure, that was there for the 70s. And by the time things were getting worse, you had four blue shirts on the rig. So what you did, you drove one day, blew the siren one day, two days on the back step, then you go on a daily. Drive, blow the siren, back step, two days. Um, you guys had your rotation. Yeah, <laughs> it worked. Uh, but again, when you're, you're four guys, and when you go shopping, now you got three guys, uh, and you still got fires. Uh, but that was some of the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and again, the reason I never transferred, I always had good guys to work with. I had good bosses. Uh, it was good work. Uh, I was very, I probably was the luckiest guy in the fire department. I really was. I, I, nobody had it as good as I did. Uh, things just fell. Uh, I, I almost turned down the lieutenant's thing. But Bernie, Bernie had already turned it down a couple of times. I, I could not, they were going to say, hey, what's with these guys not taking it? What's, what's going on at 77? They were turning it down just because they wanted to stay together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But just, I mean, he ended up captain. You know, he yeah. was, he was, he was seventy-seven. Yeah, he was, he was a guy. Um, but yeah, so good, just a, a good, good bunch. Um, and then uh, I took a test. Um, I still remember they had us. Uh, they were conducting classes for us at the U of I. And an unnamed person who was going to conduct it for us, he came out and just shook his head. He says, All right, guys, I don't know what to tell you. He says, yeah, you got to call your Chinaman, he says. <laughs> well, be, before we go further, because that's the second time you use that term, and there's people who are listening that, that don't understand what that is. That's A Chinaman is like kind of your in. That's like your... It's, it's right? a contact. It's yeah. some, somebody who, who knows somebody who knows yeah. somebody. Yeah. So that's, that's it. We, we get we get emails all the time that we'll use terms that you and I understand and take it for granted. So I'm really conscious about <laughs> explaining things yeah. now because I don't want to get any more emails. <laughs> well, keep the emails down. <laughs> uh, I'll, yeah. Uh, but that's, uh, again, a lot of runs. And because I did that, the, uh, the rotation where you'd be in charge sometimes, that helped a lot. When it came time to become a lieutenant, and I, I used that with my guys at forty four when I 
when I first got promoted, I didn't like relieving. I really didn't like not having my my guys. You know, right. I was not a set of guys, and uh, I've, I was thinking about by that time uh, I had got my degree, uh, which it, in those years I applied for agent's class. Got my letter from J. Edgar Hooper says come on board. So you were still you were still doing the FBI thing, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I says, you know what? Well, when you started with them, you were you had a new office for, the, for your first year was in, in one place, and then you'd have to go to another office, field office, uh, and you may be there for two years. At that time, I had uh, two children, you know, just and uh, my wife says, "What? You gonna pick yourselves up and go?" And pick, and I didn't really want it. And I was having so much fun. I says, I, "I'm gonna stay." And uh, so I did. And uh, but you you were already hired. Like they were willing to they're ready to hire you with the FBI. Yeah, I got my letters. I still got my letters signed by J. Edgar Hoover. Really? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things with the FBI is you don't get to work where you get where you got hired. They assign you. Yeah. They assign you. Uh, and my brother actually did go with the, with the FBI. And the reason I made the right decision is he couldn't wait to turn fifty so he could get out. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just really, he wanted out. Um, and he did get out at age 50 with 33 years of government service. He went in the Air Force at, at 17. He had 33 years of government service at age 50. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, um, yeah. But not a lot of big fires, you know. It was just constant stuff, uh, you know. And there was a lot of... This was before insurance companies cracked down. Before, if you burn a building, you insure it for a million dollars or whatever, you get the million dollars. After that, they says, you get your million dollars if you burn the building down, but you have to build in the same spot, and that stopped it entirely. Just put a, put a big break on it right there. Um, but, yeah, they were, there were some pretty good arsonists. They, you know, they punched the holes in the, in the uh, plumbing walls. Or the gasoline and the fuel oil down it, and now you got three floors of fire. So uh, it, it was good work, and uh, I enjoyed it. So when you left '77, you got promoted. Promoted. And then you were relieving for about a year. And is that when you went to '44? Then I went. To, I went to '44. Where now? Physically, where was '44 at the time that you got there? Because uh, it's it's in a different spot now. It's, yeah. It was at the Good House, <laughs> going on, on Lake Street underneath the Ultrax. Yeah, it, that building is still there. They turned it into uh, like a two flat or something like that. Well, it was uh, the guy had an automobile uh, garage there for a while. I don't know what it is now, but yeah, but uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I love. I like the single engine house. I like to you know, again with the guys, your guys. Yeah, and, uh, and I had good guys, um, except the terrible thing about forty four. When I got, I got there in October of 79, and two months later, we're on strike. Oh. Uh, so, uh, and what happened is they were trying to get us not to strike, so they promoted a bunch of guys, like in November, you know. And so a couple of guys from 44 got promoted in that one, 
And then after the strike... What was the reasoning behind that? Why, why did they think that promoting people would prevent the strike? Just so they'd have more people on their... The city would have more people on their side? Yeah. It's an it's a typical like anti-labor move when, uh, when stuff's getting yeah. tough or when there's a talk of strike or when a company is... Uh, the uh, workers are trying to unionize in a company that's not union yet. Usually what the management will do is try and promote a bunch of people and then they can either make them quote unquote happier by promoting them so they won't go on strike or vote for the union or two, they may turn around and say, well, now that we've promoted you, you're not actually included in the bargaining unit. So that's like some anti-labor practices that they use. And also, we didn't have... Equipment. We had nothing. I'll go back to 77. We're on a stairwell trying to make the stairs, and I heard this funny sound. I says, you know, what's that, Raj? What's it, what are they doing? Oh, that's one of those saws. Yeah, it's a saw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had no saws. We, we did not have breathing apparatus in the building, much less on the rig. We had Just nothing, nothing whatsoever. Nothing. Uh, so you were you were going into these buildings, just as you are sitting here right now. I heard the lady one time, and I heard her say, "Yeah, they got a special way of breathing." I'm trying to think: is this inhale first or exhale first? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, we really did not have the equipment, uh, and we're short of manpower, and and we had no contract. That was the whole deal. They they could tell you what you what was going to happen, and was, you know, you had no choice. So uh, after the strike, they promoted some more guys. What was the strike like for you? Did What did you do during that whole period of time? Because like, guys were just leaving the firehouse, right? I thought that I was done. Um, yeah? I was I really done. Uh, were you still holding on to that FBI letter? No, that was gone. Clutching I, it. Oh. <laughs> that, that, that ship sailed. Uh, no, I had I, I did the photography stuff on the, on the side, so I was just concentrating on that. I figured... Oh, I better, I better get going because that's what I've got now. It's, it's I'm, I'm done with the fire department. Well, that's what I think that a lot of people don't understand when guys like you come on and we talk about the strike is that you guys really didn't think you were going back to work. Oh, no. You know? And not only that, after about two weeks into the strike, they, quotes took care of it. Okay, it's all set. Come back. Uh, you'll sign the paper saying you're a bad boy, you know, and we'll, we'll We'll go. And so this was about two weeks into the strike. And so we all came back and give them our mea culpa and signed this piece of paper. Yeah, I'm a bad guy. And uh, <clears throat> they told me, uh, okay, you go to Engine 85 because uh, there was next to, next to one from over 44. They were using 44's rig during the strike, they, which didn't set well with... Yeah, well, anyhow, yeah. they should go to 85. So I went to 85. There was another uh, lieutenant there. We had about six firemen, you know. So I called the office. I said, 85, uh, we're in service. You know, we got the guys, and we're ready. And he says, uh, okay, we'll let, you, we'll let you know. Okay. A couple more hours go by. I says, call the office. Yo, 85, we're, we're ready to go. You know what? What do you want? Uh, we'll let you know. Okay. 10 o'clock news comes on. Uh, Muscari Moon, the union president, is going to jail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went over to the founder and 
85 is out of service. I told I walked out. That was the most of it. Without any consultation, everybody walked out. Just immediately. They did it. As, uh, yeah. That's, it wow. Was, it was, uh, and so it strike one another week. Uh, and then they finally settled it. So, uh, yeah. It's, uh, so that was, so now uh, I'm at 44 and my guys have all been promoted. So what do I get? I get the guys that came under the strike. And I said, oh man, here I go. And to tell you, we're at the table with, yeah, nice young guy, you know. Uh, were these guys just guys who got caught in a bad situation? Or were these guys trying to take advantage of 50-50. Yeah. I'd say 50-50, you know. Okay. Um, and as a lieutenant with bringing these guys on, you're a staunch union guy at this time. These guys are coming on. How was that? How did you handle that? Basically, we had an abandoned factory building next to 44. That was my drill yard. <laughs> and that's what I did. I said, we're going to be a scab company, but we're not going to be a pimp company. So we're going to go to work. Did and you did you get that reputation because those guys came on that that you're you were a scab company? We were looked. Look, there were a couple of surrounding companies were pretty strong with the union, um, <clears throat> but I got guys who were good workers, and like I told them, I said, whatever happened, you know, it's just we're here to work. And to say how unfair it was to those guys too is. Uh, a month after this, we go back to work. Uh, we're back in the kitchen eating, and somebody comes in the front door. I said, what's this guy? All right. There's a young guy with a black garbage bag. And in the garbage bag, he's got a helmet, a fire coat, and boots. They told him, go to this address. He had no training whatsoever. Nothing. Um, and... 15 minutes later, we got a fire. It was one of those, uh, uh, the uh, Willis wagons the, the, for the uh, school, the, the uh, whatever you call them. I'm not an old man. I can't remember my words. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but anyhow, we got a fire. I just, uh, just uh, hang on to my boot. That's all I can tell you. Uh, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll work this out. This guy who showed up to your house legitimately had no training. None. They just gave him a bag of gear and said, this Go to 44's <coughs> house. Did he have a uniform? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so like jeans and like a, yeah, a yeah, plaid yeah, shirt? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think he had a blue pants and maybe a blue shirt. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. And did, did you know that he didn't have any training? Did he? Well, I knew right away. Yeah. What, what the? What's the, what the <laughs> and right when he walks in the door, how, you guys get how, stilled out. How can you do that? You know, how can you do that to a person? Um, and what anyhow, I, I sorted through a couple of guys that I didn't think would fit, and I suggested they find, you know, another place to go. But pretty soon I had a nice little crew, and uh, they all worked out. They worked. Did that new guy, did he stick with you? You keep him, yep. or did you yep. suggest it? Yep. He's, uh, he stuck with you, huh? And to this day, he's still out killing fish. He's a fish killer. Oh. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> they all, the guys I kept, the guys that were there um, were good. They, they all got promoted. They all got, 
a few chiefs out of the, out of the crew. Um, what what was the outcome of this this new guy? What he just retired as a fireman, or did he get promoted? Uh, this guy is. I'm so curious about this guy. <laughs> um, well, John was sick. You know, he got yes, he got promoted. I know lieutenant. I'm not sure about captain. Um, I lost track of the guys. Yeah, you know, I did because um, again, I went south after. But know. he turned out to be a good fireman. These guys were all good. They were real good. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, we had uh, some good times, and we've. Um, and I helped them when it was time for them to take tests uh, and stuff. I did the same thing with them. I would put a guy who was getting close to getting promoted. I'd have him sit in the front seat. I'd sit in the jump seat, let him make the calls, whatever. Um, and I still remember one time, as it was John, it was the, the fish, the fish killer. <laughs> and we were coming back from a automobile or something like that. So we're by ourselves on the street, 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, all fire stories happen, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good ones. Yeah. Um, but there's smoke in the area. You know, so we're kind of driving close to the firehouse and it's getting smokier and smokier. And it was uh, an old hotel. Uh, a lot of smoke coming out. And uh, pulled up and, and John says, uh, lead out. And I said, with what? He said, oh, uh, it should have. Okay. I said, to where? <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, just, uh, you, you got to just size it up. You got to figure out what, what's happening well, next. You had a teachable moment and you took advantage of it. Well, and the, the, the whole thing that I have always said is you don't look at what you see now, project what it's going to be like three minutes from now. That's you got to project that. And that's, you know, you have to see when it's going. Um, yeah, and so it was, uh, I'll tell you, I, 44, now, we're not as busy as 77 was. It was still busy. But uh, the guys that I had and the work that we did, in my 15 years at 44, we had one 211 and one 311. The 211, because the street was under construction. The 311 <laughs> was because of Mark Nielsen. <laughs> 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 Not really. Not really. Uh, right now he's listening going, why did I, why did I send yes, that email? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy no. would be great for your podcast. <laughs> Time's about. <laughs> It was not Mark at all. It was it was a it was a, a terrible building. It was just a, a three story on, on Madison Street, uh, and the first floor was just a you know pile of rags. The whole thing was a pile of rags. Uh, yeah, and uh, the pile of rags you know brings me back to more stories. I mean, I could stay there. Unfortunately, it was detailed engine thirty eight on time. Uh, Bill Myers and I were on the back step. And the fire on Cermak. And we got to the third floor. Uh, the fire bed pretty much throughout the building. And we were on the third floor. What kind of building was it? Uh, just just 
just one of those, I don't even know what was on the first floor. You know, we were up, we got to the third floor. It's one of those ones where you got the straight stairs going up the second floor and they continue straight up to the third uh-huh. floor. So we were on the third floor when the stair collapsed between the second and third floor. So Billy and I are up on the third floor by ourselves. Now you don't have a way out. We don't have a way out, but we got this still, the orange is in front of us. So we're crawling toward it and there's all stuff there, you know, and there's rags and all bicycles and all kinds of stuff. You're trying to find, you, know, you don't know where you're at. And uh, we got most of the fire out. And it dis- you guys still don't have any, like, no SCBAs, no, no masks, no nothing. Nothing. Did you did you know the stairwell had collapsed? Oh, we heard it, yeah. And we found out that, and I can't remember his name, the guy that it collapsed on was kind of a character. And uh, he was a motorcycle racer, uh, a sidecar racer. Okay. So he had all kinds of broken bones. Anyhow, they took him to the hospital when the thing collapsed. He said, no, that's an old one. That's an old bone. That's an old break. That's an old break. <laughs> uh, but what happened is we got to the front, finally now it's lighted up, and we go back, and that, that pile of rags, it was three people. Oh, we, didn't okay. oh. we didn't even know it. Uh, yeah, so stuff that you see, I mean, again, at 44, uh, fire on Mother's Day, I believe it was, on Central Avenue, 96th District. We were there on a couple, 211 probably, maybe the box. Um, the guy lit the tires in both stairwells, uh, and there was nothing you could do about it. Uh, we went in on the second floor uh, by a ladder, and uh, we're in the apartment, and we get to the doorway, and the latch is still on the thing, so there's somebody in here with us. You know, she's in the bathtub. Got the door, got out into the hall, and I went to my right a little bit, and whoops, there was where the stairwell was. It's not there anymore. So then we go to the left, and we go out and start down a long hall, when all of a sudden, the world ended. I don't know what, we were tumbling back into the building, and all of a sudden, couldn't figure out what, it, what, what happened that day. What, what was, and later on, uh, Jimmy O'Farrell from 77 was detailed to 113 that day. And he was talking about that fire. And he said, yeah, we were coming down the hall with the uh, fixed fog. The fixed fog is incredible. That thing is, it fills the fog. It's not the fog like this. It's all water all the way through it. And uh, I mean, you could—it's just blow you out the building. You you feel it, the the air will take take your helmet off because it's pulling so much air. Uh, uh, so yeah, that was that. That's the only fire stories I, I can't. <laughs> I can't tell fire stories. I, I mean, I got forty minutes that suggest otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had a, a you had a really interesting transition from. When you got promoted as lieutenant, because you were, you were a lieutenant during the strike, and you had to navigate those waters. Yeah. What was it like when? How did you get promoted? Did you take a test to go to to become a captain and then get wind up at one sixteen? How how was that process? Because some of the guys who got lieutenant got lieutenant during the strike, so that was a whole different process. What what was the process like? Well, it took. I passed. I passed the captain's test twice. I was. I was happy where I was at. Yeah. I never wanted to be any more than a fireman. That's all I wanted. 
Um, but then you start getting toward, you know, there is a retirement thing in, in the future and pensions and stuff like that. So I said, you know, maybe it's time I'll, I'll try to I'll take a test finally. And uh, and I just blew another fire story. <laughs> I just, well, let's hear it. We, I can't, that's what we're here for. I can't bring it back. This is brand bring it back. You bring it back. No, bring it back. Because we can move the pieces I'll, around. I'll, I'll edit it how, for how you. I, how I got the 116. Uh, at 44, we got a fire on Washington Boulevard in one of those big old castles. They're still there today. Yeah. And they got a three and a half story thing, and they were cooking dope up on the top, you know. And the chief went up. It was what hand, year was this? Hand pot fire. Um, oh hell, now you're talking what year? Well, 80, it, it, 89. Okay, 89, something like that. Um, so the chief was up looking at what's going on, and one of the neighbors decides to kind of charge up the stairs after him. I put my arm out, said, No, you can't go, you can't go. And one thing led to another, and pretty soon we got a Donnie Brook going, and people are. Fists are flying, etc. And uh, a guy has Mike, one of my guys, down on a couch. And so I had a, a decor light at the time. And I, I whacked him on the back, you know. <laughs> and uh, nothing happened. So they were on a couch, and this guy's on top of Mike. And so I, I grabbed the two of them. Kind of, I grabbed around them, and I lifted them up. I pulled them up out of the couch. And uh, my boot was stuck in a, in a rug. And so I fell on top of him, or he fell on top of me, and my foot stayed where it was. Oof. And so my size 9 shoe became a size 11 <laughs> as my ankle separated. And this is all in, during a fire. Yeah. That some guy just wanted to start fighting with you guys. The fire was basically over with, yeah. And, I, and one thing, so... Uh, I didn't. I I I heard it break. You know, I heard it. I knew it was what it was, and uh, it, it turned into a big thing. Uh, and they tell me that the paramedics had a mace their way into the building. Really? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Vince, do you have mace? <laughs> yeah. um, I uh, not. Uh, you're not at liberty. Yeah, I'm not at liberty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyhow, I ended up uh, in the hospital for a long. Quite a while with broken leg and my ankle was the worst, but then the, I had green stick on the both. But anyhow, so I was there for a while, and uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, the vacancy at 116 came up while I was laid up, and uh, so I put it in for it anyhow. Steve, but can you take a promotion while you're laid up? A promotion? Yes. I don't know. Uh, well, I think maybe I was. Yeah, they probably, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever happened. Uh, you wound up a captain of 160. Uh, I guess captain of 160. And the reason I went there is I knew half the streets. 51st, 52nd, 53rd. I knew, all, I knew half the streets. Uh, and my first run was at East West Street, James Court. I said, where the hell is James Court? I have no idea. You know, so so I went to 116, and, and that was good. And all good things. And one of the nice things there was, one of the guys when I went to 44, uh, a young guy, he had only had maybe six months on the job at the time when I went there, uh, uh, Bill Kleinick. And 
Bill was, I just knew he was a good guy. He was going to go places. He was, and then when he told me that he wanted to go to Southside, he was going to Southside. I didn't realize how he was going to Squad Five, and uh, I, he wanted to go, and I didn't want him to go, but he <laughs> went. Uh, when I went to 116, uh, captain of 116, Bill's lieutenant of Squad Five on my shift. There so you go. I'm back, I'm back with Billy, uh, and. Uh, we would sit there in the tower and, uh, you know, solve all the world's problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it was good. It was very good. Um, yeah, 116 was just, uh, again, fires. Um, I don't remember anything really outside of fires and the fact that, nah, it was, uh, they, they were all good. Every place, every place was good. Um, and then I had taken a chief's test, and I, I think my, my how I long believe, how long were you at one sixteen as a captain? About seven years, okay. I think. Uh, it was fifteen years at forty four. I know that, but uh, yeah, about seven, I think. And. Uh, This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by the Frontline Team. Corey, you know so much about mortgage brokers, I can't even begin to discuss it. And what I love about these guys is that they they pretty much they stick to the golden rule, just like us, Vince. Um, something that that they have said over and over again is that if they if they would do it for themselves or their family. That's the golden rule that they stick to when it comes to lending to, to individuals. So, again, these guys are just class act guys. Um, we, well, it's a veteran-owned company. Yep. It's like like anything else in the fire department. You you have a guy. So these are your guys. If mortgage, if you're in need of a mortgage, if you want to refinance or something like that, these are the guys. They've done a bunch of work with uh, other first responders. They know what's going on. And you get to work with guys like Joey Matthews, Josh Hill, uh, Local 2's own Tom Kelly, Ivan and Danielle. Where can these guys get a hold of uh, Frontline Team? So we got their phone number, and their phone number is 630-534-2900. You guys can also email them at thefrontlineteam at thefederalsavingsbank.com. That number is 630-534-2900. 2900? I hope. Is that a 2900? You wrote down. It's it's close. (laughs) Text them just to make sure first. Um, Any any type of picture, really, they'll they'll accept it. Uh, Again, make sure to check out our guys over there at the front line team. (laughs) That one did not go well. That's going to need some cuts. That did not go well. You were you were at one sixteen as a captain. A lot more responsibility at that house. You have to squat in there as well, and you're there for seven years. And then you take a another test, to be, and you wind up being the ninth battalion. Well, I took a test. No, I took a test when I made chief. Uh, well, I, I took a test. I was landed forty four on that on that test, and they were making, how many battalions were there then? Uh, there twenty. There were twenty eight. There were twenty, maybe twenty six. 
I don't know. And it, it, they all changed. And now they're changing names left and right. Yeah. Now nobody knows where Italian <laughs> 12 is where. Well, I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's, uh, that, well, the first guy came from, the guy from Los Angeles came, the, the commissioner from Los Angeles, and he changed all the battalions. He yeah, that guy, uh, according to Chief Nielsen, that guy wasn't well-received by the men. <laughs> no, is not that, at all. No? Brush fire, brush fire Bill. Yeah, that's uh, what I, that's a nickname. That he, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I say that he changed it. Now, no, before... I mean, he didn't know where Battalion 12 was. Now nobody knows where Battalion 12 was. <laughs> That's why he did it. Um, so anyhow, uh, I took tests. And I t and they, were, they were making chiefs and making chiefs and making chiefs. And they had another test. So I took a test again. Uh, I landed number eight on the second test. Um, when I got promoted, both tests were like active or something. It was kind of a weird thing. So I don't know if I got promoted off the old list or the new list. But I got promoted. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You got promoted. I got promoted, and I had been working with uh, uh, Tony Van Buskirk uh, on the days off a little bit. We had a little thing going uh, with Mark, as a matter of fact. Mark came in. Well, actually, Mark didn't come in until after I, I le had left. But anyhow, um, and Tony was a relief chief. He was uh, he he relieved all the time. Like I think he did 13 years of, as a battalion chief, he, he was a reliever. So he knew everybody in the city. He just did. Uh, at this time, he was a reliever, uh, and he had uh, the fifth district relief. So he did. He'd be between uh, 17, 18, 19, and 20. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 17, 18, 19, 20. <laughs> and uh, I got promoted, and suddenly I was doing 17, 18, 19, 20. I took his, <laughs> I took his spot. Uh, so I, I relieved for a year there, and that was that was okay because it was good places. To be, was, I, I did like to go to Battalion Twenty because it was, you know, a little out, out, out of to where you want to be. Um, and I tried for Battalion Eighteen, I couldn't get it, uh, so I said, "The hell with it." I'm going to Battalion Nine, uh, just because Battalion Nine is a very interesting battalion. It's uh, it's more like New York. At any place, uh, more people live in the Ninth Battalion than any place else uh, in the city. Uh, the uh, variety of stuff. Give, give people an idea where the Ninth Battalion is. It's uh, just south of Evanston's very northern limits of the city. Uh, it goes from the uh, from the lake to the western limits, which is around Kedzie at the, at that time. All right. Uh, yeah, it just is it's pretty uh, much the the farther northern border to like just south of like uptown and stuff like that right like well, so, going into wrigleyville no it's north of that we're, we're north we're everything is i would say mostly north of Verbeek park road even farther north uh, yeah it's 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 the northeast corner of the city yeah it's far north as you from like go. irving to edison or um evanston yep okay that's that was it and uh there's just everything up there it's just just really everything and the courtyard buildings are have you been Have you been down there recently? My son lives on uh, sixty two hundred on Ashland. Yes. Oh, okay. So I, it's it's probably not anything like it was when you were the Ninth Battalion. Uh, no, I think it's not that different. The Ninth was Ninth was not a real busy place, um, but when you had stuff, it was just weird, <laughs> just kind of weird. Um, yeah, and so I, uh, the Ninth Battalion. And then uh, 
again, I, I had just a few injuries. I go in the ninth battalion. Well, I think you're 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 brushing a few injuries off a little bit because you got hurt, and and I'm trying to put the pieces together because I know you got hurt. You were hurt, you got hurt as a chief. Is that where you you had the collapse and you got burned? Yeah. And you were a chief though. Yeah. I was, uh, so get, walk us through that because I'm I'm trying to put the pieces together and it's not making sense to me. So now that I have you sitting here, <laughs> I want you to walk me through it. I was on the phone talking to my son. I was going to pick him up at the airport uh, the next day, take him to see his sister in New York. And uh, I was on the phone. I get a run. I just put, they pulled the box on. I don't even know what, where it was. It was in the it was in the tenth battalion. It was somewhere like Montrose and Damon, somewhere around there. And uh, beautiful, uh, I happen to remember the day was December the 6th. I don't know why I remember that day, but yeah, December the 6th. So I go out there, beautiful sunny day, uh, afternoon, courtyard buildings, fire in the courtyard. Uh, So I'm the box chief, so I go around the rear. And the... uh, Rear porches of the courtyard building are, uh, have got the three flat, which I thought was a two flat next to it going. Uh, so uh, 78 was in the back, they had a line, knocking the most of it down. So I went to check the building from the, in the rear on the second floor. They had pulled the ceiling on the second floor clear as a bell. And the chief tells me, uh, I forget. I should know his name. God. But anyhow, Chief says, uh, make sure the guys are out on the third floor. Third floor? Okay. So I go out and look at, well, there's no third floor. What the guy did, the owner, basically he built a, a garage on top of the two flat. He built a third floor using substandard everything. Okay. And... I go to the back, and there's no stairway to the third floor. There's like an old painter's ladder leaning off the second floor porch, a painter's ladder. So I climbed the painter's ladder <laughs> to, to get up there. And uh, I, I said, where's, where's this third floor come from? It was set back. Couldn't see it from the alley because it, it was just at the front half of the building. Uh, all right, so told me to get everybody out. So make sure everybody's out. So. so the landscape that the chief in the front was looking at was very different than what you were looking at from the back. Absolutely. No. It looked like two different buildings then. Yeah. He, he, says th- he thought it was a three-story building. I thought it was a two-story building. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went up there and, okay, let's, I'm going to go check to see if everybody's out on the third floor. So I start in. And... Uh, very soon, I figured I better put my mask on. And the mask, probably the, the time to be put your mask on is not when you realize the floor is spongy. You should have had your mask on a little bit earlier than that. <laughs> but anyhow, so I drop to my knees. I take my glove off. And down it goes. You know, so I'm now... What it was, was the guy built, he took these uh, uh, pre-constructed rafters and ran them from uh, 
you know, from side to side and built this third floor. So now the roof is on fire. We don't know this. The roof is on fire, and it now burns the third floor, the flooring of the third floor, and that's what I fell through. But I didn't know that. I had no idea where I was. I said, what? what? Am, I, am I falling to the basement? What am I, what, what's going on? So I had my left hand. I grabbed the door frame. So I'm, I'm now in the fire. And I remember guys talking about how, yeah, what it, what, what the thing felt. I mean, the black smoke came pouring out the back. So I don't know about you guys, but where I was, it was bright as day. <laughs> I was in fire. I was on fire. I watched, I, I watched the skin curl off my hand. Ugh. I was looking at it. On the hand that you took your glove off. Yeah. Uh, so you're basically being barbecued at this point. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, and and it, believe it or not, I didn't really know how long it was, except when I heard uh, Chief Chikorotas talking about when he heard the mayday, what he did after he heard the mayday. Did you, did you call the mayday? No. I didn't. I, Somebody who I saw you? I, I, okay. I don't know where my radio was. I didn't know you're it. just hanging on. Yeah, hanging on. Okay. And it was probably, when he talked about what he got and what he did after that, tool, it was probably three minutes. I was in there for about three minutes, I think. Uh, Mike Boyd was detailed squad two. He had my arm. So I got, I'm hanging on this arm, and he's hanging on to it. Uh, funny story. He always, uh, Mike, a young man, he died two years ago. I went to his wake, and his mother I you know, introduced myself, and, and she says, oh, I'm so glad that you're fine. And Mike was always worried that he that he pulled the, the skin off your hand. I says, no. Mike had the good hand. He didn't pull anything off me. He didn't hurt me at all. He did a great job. He, he did. He, he was hang, Even when he ran out of air, he was still hanging on to me. Um, so I'm there. Uh, and Joe Santucci was a lieutenant of 78. He was in there with, when it went down, and no problem. I have no problem with Joe, but he got out of the hole by stepping on my hel helmet. <laughs> uh, not my helmet, on my head. I mean, you see it on my shoulder. He's, I know he was stepping on me. He got out. Um, and uh, so I'm there waiting, and finally, uh, it was Pat Maloney, who was on, captain of squad two at the time, and he was able to reached down and grabbed my harness and tried to pull, and he couldn't move my fat ass at all. Uh, and finally, he just gave it another tug, and somehow I went up. And uh, this time, Chief Chikorotis had come from the front, and uh, the two of them were walking me out. And I'll, the only thing, I, I didn't I didn't think I was going to die or anything. I, I, I just couldn't figure out how it was going to end. I couldn't figure out what's what's next. I, I'm, I'm here and I'm yelling and nothing's happening. I'm. Well, I think there was only two two ways that could have ended. They pull you up or you you go down, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you don't think like that, right? You don't, you don't you don't think it. And the other funny thing about it is, I don't remember any pain. I didn't feel nothing. Not even from your hand. No, I, no, I was looking at it. I, I, it, really, it was curling. It's weird. Um, you had that uh, adrenaline just surging. Uh, yeah. Through, yeah, at that I, point, I, I have one one 
uh, bone to pick with uh, Pat Maloney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wrote the story. Uh, Chick Rose had wrote the book about uh, things that you learn and fires, scenes, and all that stuff. And uh, Pat was talking about he was talking about me screaming. And I would have liked it if, if he would order you shouting, not screaming. <laughs> <laughs> but I, he saved my life, so I can't complain too much about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was good. So, uh, so Boyd c- could only hold on to you. He couldn't lift you up. No, he couldn't. Uh, he's out of air. He's getting. He's taking a dose. He yeah, a terrific dose. Did he, he? So he had to take his mask off to hold on to keep holding on to you. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, uh, cause the same heat that you're feeling and the same heat that's peeling your skin, he's getting, it's going up and he's about B. Yeah. So he, he's getting it too. So that, that's yeah. a pretty amazing feat that he, he held on to you. Yeah. Uh, just the whole thing, uh, turned out, I mean, I got out and, and I thought, I said, I'm okay. Okay. I'm okay. And they walked me down the stairs and I get to the sidewalk and there was a lady from the neighborhood there, and I saw the look on her face, and I says, oh, "Maybe I'm not okay." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, my ear was on my shoulder. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, they put me in the ambulance, and uh, where'd they take you? Uh, um, Illinois Masonic. Okay, so I gotta go to Illinois Masonic, and. Uh, Right away, I'm in the uh, emergency room, and then they drug me up. I got hurt on Thursday. I woke up Friday the following week. No kidding. At Loyola. Yeah. So it was, uh, they grafted, this is nothing. This is a little bit here. They had to redo some stuff inside. Um, And the doctor at Loyola, I have great, I have great emergency room doctors. I really do. Uh, he says, you're going to like this skin. He says, uh, I got a thicker layer of skin from it. I said, oh, that's good. Then I start thinking, where'd you get that layer of skin from? <laughs> <laughs> they stripped my thigh, you know, and, took, and it's, I got st- stuff on my back, my butt, and my, and my my upper thighs. And that was where the city was, the city was pissed about two things. One, that I was had uh, hip boots, I didn't have uh uh, You're still wearing your three quarters. Yeah, three quarters. Uh, so this, you can see right. That's where. That's where the. Uh, where the uh, patches start. Uh, that and also when they were trying to transfer me from um, Illinois Masonic to Loyola, there was a, the fire department ambulance couldn't do it. Couldn't do what they needed because they, my breathing wasn't right still. And they didn't have. They the wanted equipment. you on a ventilator. Yeah, it was. I don't know what I was on. I was on. But they were transferring you from Masonic to Loyola because it's a burn center. Right, right. Because that's where we're going to do the graphs. And they and they wanted you to go by the fire department right. ambulance because yeah. so this, yeah. this created a big to do amongst the the chiefs and say we can't even take care of our own chief, you yeah. know, kind of a thing. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know. I was. I was in La La Land. Yeah, you had no uh, clue what was going on. No, and I. And I was, uh, it was good at Loyola. I was there a couple of weeks because um, I was home for Christmas. It happened December 6th, and I know that I was home for Christmas. So, Well, that's, 
let's not forget that we started this conversation because you said I had a couple injuries, a cu- just a couple. <laughs> just one. I was like, wait a second, <laughs> and this turns into you right. know a couple guys saving his life, and, <laughs> right? Yeah, transferred Speed unconscious yeah. to Loyola. And, so I can't uh, imagine uh, Leo if uh, you were like, oh deal. man, I had a bad one. <laughs> I had a bad one. God I, bless. I, I did have a pretty thick file at the medicals. <laughs> I mean, I again, just a, a new fireman and uh, picking up at a at a uh, fire, and there was a sheet of glass stuck in the snow. Oof! Uh, and I'm dragging a line and pulling, yeah, you know, just pulling stuff through the snow, just picking up. And all of a sudden, I've, my right foot is stuck under something, so I jerked it loose, and then, then when the blood started coming out of my boot, I said, ah, that probably wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> uh, so I sliced some tendons. I was, I, was off for, I was off for about six months with that one. The tendons were all messed up. Uh, yeah, a couple things. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is also brought to you by Tim Ryan, a local 2753 guy with Remax Properties Northwest. Yeah, uh, 2753, he's uh, he's one of our local guys um, up here by uh, Northwest Side, uh, Northwest Side. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about before, you know, we always like to, we always like the idea like having, you know, having a fireman, having one of our guys that can uh, kind of lead us down the right path. And um, from what I hear about Tim Ryan, Mediocre fireman. <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal realtor. realtor. Oh, my God. Phenomenal realtor. This guy. <laughs> but you know what? He's paying his dues, so you can't argue with the guy. So God bless. Thank you, Tim, for your service. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> if uh, you guys want to find Tim, where do we find him, Vince? Give a call, 773-578-2464, or... Yeah, make sure to check him out. You can you can also email him at tryanrealestate at gmail.com. That's an easy one. And closed with Tim at um, OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. At, at, that's Instagram. That's the Instagram handle, right? I, I don't know Instagram very well. So yeah. let's go with it. Try Instagram first. Yeah. If you can't find him on that with that handle, right. then go to OnlyFans. Yeah, don't. Don't try only fans. (laughs) (laughs) And Tim, you are a terrific fireman. (laughs) Terrific. And if you need a terrific fireman, you can call him at 773-578-2464. Tim will take the stress out of buying and selling properties. You're not going to get a salesperson. You're going to get somebody who understands you as a first responder, somebody who's been there. It's not about the the money with Tim. He sincerely wants to take care of uh, our community and take care of you guys. So look him up. We've talked about him before, uh, or we've talked about before, like, you know, Tim, Tim is the kind of guy when we, when we talked to him on the phone, like his highest priority was taking care of first responders. So, you know, if, I mean, you can obviously call him if you're not a first responder, but if you are, make sure if you're in the business of, of selling a place or buying a place coming up soon with this market, um, he, you know, we know that he'll take care of you because he, he took care of us very well. Yep. Tim Ryan, Remax Properties Northwest. After you got burned at that uh, fire as a chief, you weren't able to come back? No, they gave me a, a year. And this thing, because uh, I, I had a couple of heart attacks too. 
Oh, <laughs> you forgot to mention that, Leo. <laughs> Just <laughs> you said a couple minor injuries, right? The, the, minor, minor. Was no, the keyword? I I really refer to everything as a minor cardiac event. All. Oh, there you go. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. My mistake. Uh, yes. Yeah, and so, this was on the job. You had it. A couple uh, minor no, cardiac was, events. No, it was at home. Okay, it was at home. Yeah. So, but I'm sure that, I, you know, no mask had something to do with it because still, yeah, one hundred percent for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I had my year layup, and then they went to test me, and they says, uh, "You know what?" They looked at my medical. I mean, it was it was two it was two folders. Uh, and they says, tell you what, why don't you go stand in the corner here, which we'll you, give you a duty. So I, I went off for the duty. By that time, uh, I was 61 years old when I got, you know, and uh, that's because I was out of shape, big fatso, you know, what the heck. Uh, what could he do with me? So, they, uh, And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I would have been one of those guys that says, no, no, my birth certificate is different. I'm not 63 yet, you know. I've, right. But the sun rose every morning. The sun set every night in that year. And I thought, there is life beyond the fire department somewhat. And uh, so the thing about it is I really always wanted to be a fireman. That's all I wanted. I was a chief for four years and four days. I was 63 on the 4th of July. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, so I was a chief for just about the minimum. You could be chief and still get the chief pension. So I'm, I'm good. It's all good. And I've been uh, staying. I'm still healthy. I don't know why. I got nothing, <laughs> got nothing wrong with me. It's, it's Portillo's grease is doing it. <laughs> oh, that's it's magic. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're grease. It's real slippery, and you put it in your veins. It makes the blood flow through real quick. Right there, you go. So, so it's, yeah, it's better than a baby stagnant. <laughs> I, I did do good medical school too. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I hope you stick around for a long time, Leo. I, I, I got ninety as a, I'll be eighty-one now, so I got uh, nine more years on my schedule. Uh, <laughs> Everything's gravy after that. Portillo's gravy. <laughs> Hey, they just cut down the size of the oh, burger. Oh, it was terrible. Did they did they cut down the size? Have you ever seen the burger before it goes into the little machine that cooks it? It's like the size of a dinner plate. And then it shrinks down <laughs> to a quarter of a pound. A bun no, where the, the, uh, the bun is smaller now than the, even the bun is smaller. Oh, okay. The, the bun is smaller. Uh, Leo, you spend a lot of time at Portillo's, it sounds like. Well, eight, there's one in Elk Grove. Eight days a week. Uh, <laughs> see, you and you and me are cut from the same cloth, my friend. <laughs> It's just uh, that, and the, I know. Actually, there's too much grease to some at Jimmy John's, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, well, Leo, you got any with as long as you've been uh, in uh, the fire service? Any advice that you'd give to a younger guy? Uh, a couple things. One of them is uh, the union is all you've got. And they are screwy. The union is always the best. You guys, you know, it's a bunch of firemen. How can it not be the best? <laughs> but stick with the union. It's all you've got. And for those, I mean, we know what we had. What we didn't have a union, we had nothing. 
we really had nothing. Because you're so, coming from both sides of it. Yeah. Uh, so stick with you. But as far as uh, do, you know, try try to move to the busier places if you can, because there's the nicer guys. That's where the guys are. That's where the good guys are. Um, and I know a lot of people are trying that, um, but you don't worry about being at a slow company because all it counts is each time they call you, whether it's once a month or 400 times a month, as long as you go and you do what you're supposed to do, uh, that's all they're asking. You don't get extra money for going 400 times. You don't get you know same money for going once a time, but as long as you go and and be active. I mean, just you can do everything that the fire department wants you to do. You could do school drills. You can strip and mop the floors. You can do all that stuff by noon time. It's a great job. Can you, can you say that again? <laughs> say that again for everybody. <laughs> it's true. It's uh, and so just take some time and look in the books. And don't look in the books alone. If you're lucky, you'll have a lieutenant or somebody in the house that wants to study. And hang on to that guy because uh, you need cause to, to, to study on your own. Eh. And unfortunately, studying, uh, I don't know, you learn on the job. I mean, and again, Take whatever experiences you get, stick them in that file cabinet up there in your brain, and uh, just hope that when when the time comes, like the time came for me, you hope you could be able to pull that file cabinet, that, that file out of the file cabinet, make you figure out what you should be doing and not like me just laying there thinking, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to me. Uh, you know, uh, try to try to go slow. Uh and think of what's what's going to happen next. That's that's the best I can tell you. You you know what you're in right now, but what's going to happen next? What happens if you go if you turn left over here? If you turn right over there? Uh, just uh, listen. Work hard. The harder you work, the luckier you get. That's you know that's true. Uh, I was extremely lucky the whole time. Extremely lucky. You know, starting. I didn't know anybody at any fire department, you know, and but uh, I I went to more classes with that Joe Dykeman. Uh I think that's the reason I ended up on seventy seven. The reason I'm on seventy seven, everything uh, is perfect. Uh, good people. Uh, so I never had the tra- I never had to transfer. Uh, well, and- we, we had joked around when when you first got here that you were saying that you didn't know too many people on you didn't have any friends on the fire department. Cause you didn't go anywhere. No, I, I still love that. You know, I say, "Oh yeah, you know, Joe's this way." No, I, I'm telling you, I, I'll ask Tony, Tony Van Besker, because he knows everybody. So I'll ask him if he knows. And uh, so we right. still get together. Uh, right. And every couple of years, you knew four guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, no, it's and it's uh, the nice thing about the fire department is. I, I drive down the street and I see some guys going to work someplace, and whether it's a tradesman or a, a banker. And I say, that poor guy, he doesn't know what he's missing. He could be a fireman. You could have been a fireman. And you instead of wanting to be a stupid banker? <laughs> uh, yeah. 
you're making a million dollars, but so what? You just lost the, you just lost it all in the stock market, you know. So, uh, yeah, as far as I, I really would have been done a poor job in the FBI, I think, because uh, I found what I wanted to be. It, it turned out uh, I, I had to learn a lot more. Just besides get in there, there's more to it than that. And uh, so I, I, I'm happy that I that it worked out the way it did. I don't know if people noticed that we're missing a guy. We are missing a guy. And his question is usually, what was your favorite prank at the firehouse? I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, watched, nobody did anything to you? I watched some funny things. Well, yeah, that, that, yeah. let us know what that is. What? What was the funniest thing you saw some uh, a prank happen at the firehouse in your 30-something well, years? I, I, got two, I got two stories. One is a funny thing, and the other one is a, a funny guy. Uh, the f- funny story is uh, Cy Martin, who's the uh, lieutenant of 38, he used to come in very regularly, 7, 10 a.m. He was there, 7, 10, always time. He'd pour his coffee. He'd go get his cream from the coffee. You know, he poured it. Co- and uh, sit at the table, same place at the table, every day, the same, the same, the same. So now you're going to ask me the guy's name, Tommy Sullivan. Tom, yes, Tommy Sullivan. One day he's at the last watch. So he takes everything out of the refrigerator, takes all his clothes off, <laughs> gets in the refrigerator. <laughs> and when Cy opens the refrigerator the door, he hands him the cream. <laughs> So I didn't say anything. As I, so I was, uh, so that's that was. A, a <laughs> didn't phase him. Uh, he closed the fridge and yeah, went back to his. He's like, I'm he not. Drank his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who won that one. Yeah. And, and then the funny story about a funny guy. I mean, it's about uh, International Association of Firefighters (IAFF). It really stands for International Association of Funny Blah Blah Blah. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, come up with the name. I am, uh, not Louis, Frankie, Frankie the Greek, Frankie Liberis of 95. Uh, hey, you want to see, want to see my gunshot? No, yeah, I don't want to see the gunshot in your groin. We've already seen it a many times. <laughs> so, so you don't have to show us your You don't fall for that gunshot. trick again. The story is, now this could be a fake story. I don't know, but it's a great story. And if it is, but, uh. The story is he gets detailed up to somewhere up northwest corner of the city. Uh, young guy there, they get a fire, and uh, they're in the basement. Flames are coming over their head, and Frankie in his gruff voice says, uh, uh, "The kid says we're gonna die. We're gonna I'm gonna die here." And Frankie says, "So I give him a crack." He says, "And uh, so I says you ain't gonna die. And if you do die, it's an honor to die with Frank the Greek." <laughs> <laughs> That's that's all I know. There you go. That's awesome. That's it. Uh, good guys, good times, good job. I, I, I'm a lucky man. Uh, now that we're off, I can say I'm a lucky man until recently my wife had a stroke last June and it's just getting terrible. So no. I'm, I'm good, but uh, she's... Thoughts uh, and prayers are with you there, sure, Leo. Yeah, she's... Uh, that's what I got to go back to. So, yeah, this has been pleasant. Pleasant. Well, good. I mean, if we could, you know, for an uh, hour and 15 minutes, just, uh, you know, take your mind off of it, it was worth it. Oh, what time is it? <laughs> it's, uh, what the hell? 
11 16. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll cut short. You got some business, Steve? Uh, no, uh, you know, we appreciate you coming out uh, and, and telling us a little bit, you know, fire stories and how it was back in the day. And uh, if you want to hear more of our uh, more of the stories that uh, we bring to you, make sure to visit www.chicagosbravest.com, www.chicagosbravestories.com. We'll, we'll uh, we got some merchandise out there. Uh, we, the supply chain has uh, been hindering uh, some of our merchandise shipments, but we're working on it, and uh, we appreciate all the support and all the help that everybody's. Uh, given to us over the years. Corey did not get fired. Corey did not get fired. Um, he, just, he couldn't make it. He had yeah. some uh, things going on. But if I could fire Corey. We'd love to. I would. Oh, man. I would can <laughs> his ass in a second. Uh, make sure to check out our sponsors. Uh, we have all used Live and Breathe, uh, our sponsors. Uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't have them as sponsors if, uh, if we didn't uh, use them as uh, customers. So, uh, make sure to check out our sponsors, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Leo. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Chicago's Bravest Stories is also brought to you by Illuminated Brew Works, located at 6186 North Northwest Highway next to the car wash. This place, obviously, one of our favorite joints. Uh, you, you guys can make sure to uh, find them on their website, ibw-chicago.com. Illuminated Brew Works, ibw-chicago.com. Um, this place, obviously, this was one of... No, this was our first live show, right? Yes, Vince? yes. Yeah. So... Awesome, awesome place. And guess guys, what's guess what's back? Uh oh, what's back? Astronaut oh. Juice. Oh, she's back. Astronaut Juice and me and Steve. We love that trust. Trust. Trust is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean the place is just cool as hell. Um, we love just hanging out there. We love popping in. Uh, they got they got fun stuff going on there almost every night. I mean, were they? When, when's their trivia night? Tuesday is trivia night at Illuminated Brewworks. Yeah. Also, if you want to try some of these beers, they're their breweries right there, literally 20 feet from where you're drinking. And if you want to try something, they'll give you a flight. Uh, try a flight of beer and really get a feel for all the beer that they have in that place. And go find your favorite. Yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, there's not... I, I can't think of any beer off the top of my head that I've gone in there that I've hated. I mean, everything's awesome. Yeah, so. we've crawled out of that place, man. <laughs> we've crawled out of that place. It's so good. And, and we will again soon. Yeah. So, Illuminated Brew Works. <laughs> the opinions and views are that of Chicago's bravest stories and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.